Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Thrive Church, a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. Good morning, church. Come on. Isn't it good to be in church today? Amen, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're at church today. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Take your seats. Take your seats. Oh, my, 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 my. It is so good to be with the Thrive family. You guys, like I've heard so much about you and spending time with Pastor um, uh, Byron and Pastor Candice and just them telling me about you guys. You guys are absolutely amazing. I love you guys. And uh, we're not family. Come on, somebody. Woo. Hey. I'm excited, um, and I'm even more excited because when I was prepping this message, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I was like, cool, Jesus, let's go. And I again prepped the message, and I was like, cool, all right, all right, we're ready, Lord. And then I arrived, and like, we're doing the sound check, and I see the serving video, and I'm like, oh, okay, Jesus, all right. And then, and then I'm like, cool, cool, cool. And then Pastor Byron comes up and shares the discipline for this month, which is look outside your window. I'm like, oh, Jesus, okay. So you did help me write this message. It wasn't just me. Thank you, Lord. Okay. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's touch and go, you know. But I'm so glad to be with you guys. And as Pastor Byron said, I am from the lovely paradise, the eighth wonder of the world called Cape Town. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, yes. Come on. And so uh, I'm under Pastor Andre and Pastor Leanne's leadership, and they are phenomenal leaders. And I just want to honor them for sending me to you guys to be with you guys this morning. So a shout out if you're watching. <laughs> and I want to honor Pastor Byron and Pastor Candice for having me um, to be with you guys and to share what God has put on my heart with all of you this morning. Online, good to have you. Type, I'm here and ready. Awesome. Okay. I love it. So we, well, the theme for this year is kingdom, kingdom come. That's our theme. If you didn't know that, I got you. Just pretend you knew that the whole time. It's kingdom come. And uh, Pastor Byron and Pastor Candice, they preached such a phenomenal message on Vision Sunday about kingdom come and about the kingdom's got to come in us and go through us. And it's such a phenomenal message. And we started the series, A Better Way to Live, so that we could share kingdom principles. Because if we want kingdom to come, we need to live out kingdom principles. And Cooley preached a phenomenal message last week. Uh, come on, somebody. You got to get God's word in you. Kulu Let's give it a shout out for Kulu. Come on, somebody. Kulu, wherever you at, I don't know where you at, but phenomenal anointed message. And uh, I'm going to dive straight into my message. But before we do that, can we pray? Can we pray? Dear God, God, I pray that I may step aside this morning, that you can speak to your people, God that your word will not come back void, God. But it, Lord Jesus, it will speak to each and every person's situation, that it will direct, that it will encourage, but also, God, it will, it will tell them, Lord Jesus, exactly what you want them to know, that you will lead your people this morning, Jesus. Not my will, but your will be done. Amen. Cool. So let's do this. My assignment today, so Kulu spoke about uh, the, the getting God's word in you, and my assignment today is to encourage you and to teach you that when we live out kingdom principles, it makes us different. 
When the kingdom comes in us and through us, we are different. We realize that there is a different way, a better way, a set-apart way to live. And when you realize how much God loves you, and he loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. So he's given us kingdom principles that are there to help us lead and live a better life. Isaiah 55 verse 8 to 9 puts it this way. My thoughts are higher than your, are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher and better than your thoughts. God is saying there is a better way. And that's the kingdom way. Proverbs puts it like this, there's a way that seems right to man, but leads to death. The kingdom way leads to life and life to the full. And my prayer for you this morning is that you will not, get in, you will not only get inspired and encouraged, but you will be challenged this morning. That you'll not just be hearers of God's word, but you will be challenged to do what it says. And my, my title for this, for this morning, for all you note takers, just so you know, I heard that, you know, when you get to heaven, God's going to ask you for some, uh, for all your notes. Um, so I, I think you should start taking notes. The sermon title for today, it's a bit long, but it's serving God through serving his people is the better way to live. And I was so encouraged when I saw the, the serving video and, and you guys were celebrating. We were celebrating our volunteers. You guys are amazing. Can we give our volunteers a round of a hand? They are serving God's house. They are partnering with God in building His kingdom. That's what we are called to do. That's what we're called to do. If we want to live out kingdom principles, then we've got to look at the kingdom culture and that, what, that kingdom culture is set by Christ. John 14 verse 6 says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to the Father except through me. And if we look at the example of Jesus, we can clearly see that Jesus was and is a servant leader. And one can conclude that serving is a kingdom principle that allows us to live a better way because Jesus did it. Jesus served. But if our serving does not come from an overflow of our gratitude, it isn't serving, it's a chore, it's ticking off a box. And that leads me to my first point is that kingdom people are grateful people. Colossians 3 verse 15 to 17 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. 
Colossians 2, 6-7 says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built in Him, strengthened in your faith as if you, as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. With thankfulness. We're called to have a spirit of gratitude. Because you'll have a well to draw on when you don't feel like serving. When it's been a long, long week. When you've had to deal with a rough boss. When you've had a Sunday morning from hell already before you've even, it's even hit seven o'clock. But you'll have that well to draw from. Not only that, but gratitude is the mirror that reflects the goodness of God. It's, it's an admission. It's saying, hey, God, you're good and you're great. Gratitude is an admission of God's goodness and God's greatness. The moment you do not have gratitude is the moment you do not admit that he is good. Is the moment you take away the fact that he is great. So when you have gratefulness in you, what well, we're called to have, that spirit of gratitude, you are there showing the glory of God to people. Because people will look at you and be like, you've had a bad week, but still you smile, but still you praise God. How is this possible? You're reflecting the goodness of God to everyone around you. That's what we're called to do. And it helps us put him first in our lives. Because if he's not first in your life, then how can it be? And when he, we put him first, we serve him with thankfulness. And we serve his people. Because we understand his goodness, we understand that we can't keep that to ourselves. We have to share the goodness of God and serve him by serving his people. So a practical step, because we like to keep it practical. With each of my points, I'm going to give you a practical step, and I'm going to give you a, a question that you can take home and answer. You can answer it right now if you want, or you can answer it at home. Practical step is get into the healthy habit of thanking God three times a day for three things. In the morning when you wake up, thank God for three things that morning. When you're having lunch at work, thank God for three things that morning. As you're about to go to bed, thank God for three things that evening. And store up the goodness of God in you. Question. What is the source of your serving? What is the source of your serving? Because if it isn't gratitude, then it isn't serving. It's a chore. Question number two. For you, is serving a calling or is it a chore? What is it for you? And that leads me to my, to my second point, is that kingdom people, are serve, kingdom people serve people. Kingdom people serve people. When God saved you, he saved you with someone else in mind 
So what on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? So what on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? James puts it this way in James 2 verse 14 to 26. I know it's going to be a long bit of scripture, but good. It's good because the word of God edifies us. So it says in James 2 verse 14 to 26, dear friend, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? So good. That is good Bible, church. That is good Bible. Verse 18 says, I can already hear some of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department and I'll take care of the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show your works apart from your faith than I can show my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith fit hand together, hand in glove. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it do them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with the corpse on your hands? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham made right with God by works when he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar? Isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked partners? That faith expresses itself in works. That the works are works of faith. The full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed in God and was set right with God, includes his action. It's that weave of believing and acting that God Abraham named God's friend. Is it not evident that a person is made right with God, not by barren faith, but by fruitful, by faith, fruitful in works? Wow. Wow. 25 to 26, the same with Rahab, the Jericho harlot, wasn't her actions in hiding God's spies and helping them escape the seamless unity of believing and doing what counted, what counted with God. The very moment you separate the body and the spirit, you end up with the corpse. Separate faith and works, and you end up with the same thing. What James is telling us in that verse is, we might say we're Christians, but without works, we're not being Christ-like. We aren't being Christ-like. And when I was preparing this message, I came across a quote that says, preach the gospel always and at all times and use, help, use words if it helps. Preach the gospel at all times, use words if it helps. Use words if it helps. During World War II, there was a pilot 
and this pilot's name was John Fawkes, and he piloted a B-17 plane, and he was flying, and as he was flying, he got shot by Nazi anti-aircraft bombs, and he got hit multiple times. But he managed to stay uh, in the air and land safely. And the next day, he went to the, to the chief that deals with all, all the body work on the plane. And he was like, hey, can I have one of those shells as a trophy? And this is, what, this is what they said. The chief explained that not just one, but 11 shells had found their way into the fuel tank. But none of them exploded. Technicians opened up the shell and found that they did not have any explosive charge in them. They were clean and harmless and empty except for one. And the one inside of it had a note which was written written in the Chechen language and it said, this is all we can do for now. See, a courageous assembly worker who could not end the war But he decided, I can do something where I am. I can serve where I am. Had scribbled that note after disabling those bombs. See, he couldn't do everything. But he could do something. And he did it. And he did it. Church, we can't do everything. But friends, we must not do nothing. See, it's okay to say, hey, I don't have much. But what's not okay is to say, God can't use that little that I have if I trust him with it. Ask the boy with the loaves and the fish. He'll tell you. Ask David with the sling and stones versing a giant. Ask Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Moses, Rahab, Esther, Mary. They didn't have much, but they had faith. And because they had faith, they could do something. And God could use them to change a nation, to change the world, church. We can't afford to do nothing. They didn't have faith, but they had, they didn't have much, but they had faith. And the word of God says all God needs is faith as small as a mustard seed. You can move mountains. When I was 13, my neighbor, he didn't have much, but they had an invitation and they served God through an invite. And because of their faithfulness with the little that they had, my family is plugged into a life-giving church and I get to be with you guys today sharing a message that God has given me. See, he didn't have much, but he had something. He couldn't do everything, but he could do an invite. He could do an invite. Serving God through serving his people is the better way to live. So what's your not much? What's your little that God can use through your service? Through your serving God? Through your serving his people? You want to know how miracles happen? When our faithfulness intersects with our willingness to serve God. 
And some of us are asking, why isn't a miracle happening in my life? I'm full of faith. I come to church every Sunday. My kids are in kids zone. My kids go to empower. I'm faithful, God. I pray every day. But when was the last time your faith intersected with your willingness to serve him? That's miracle territory. Kingdom people serve people. That's my my second point. Mark 10, verse 14 to 45 puts it, verse 42 to 45 says, so God called them together and said, you know the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials, flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. He's saying there is a better way. My way is better. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as ransom for many, for you and for me. There's a story I came across of this church that had a statue in it and there was, a, there, was a, there was a fire, and what happened was the building caved in, and so the church officials came back the next day, and what they found was the statue of Jesus, a, a, a beam had fallen off of the roof and had cut off and sheared off the hands of the statue of Jesus. And so one sculptor comes to the church and to the church officials and says, hey, listen, I would love to repair it for you. In fact, I'll even do it for free. And the church officials met together and discussed, okay, listen, what, what are we going to do? And they went back to the sculptor and said, hey, listen, we don't need you to. We don't need you to repair it because this is a depiction of, who, of what we're called to do, that we are called to be God's hands and feet on this earth. That's what we're called to do. So this is a perfect illustration. So you don't have to do, you don't have to repair it. You don't have to repair it because God chooses to do his work through the hands of his people. Sometimes they seem to be the most Infirm hands, shaky hands, the hands with the least potential of success hands, the least qualified hands, but those are the hands that God chooses to use on this earth. Our hands. Practical step. Join us for moving forward. What week are we on for moving forward? We are on week two of moving forward. Join us for moving forward. And then join a serving team. Shout out, join Kids Zone. Hello, I'm a kids pastor. I know. Join in. Join. <laughs> Come on, join Kids Zone. Come serve. Be part of the team. We can't do nothing, church. Question What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? What on earth are you doing? For heaven's sake. 
my third point. This one might seem a bit, you know, weird, but work with me, you know? Just, we, it's a journey, as, as Pastor Candice said, it's a journey. Walk with me. My third point is, don't be a baby. I know, I know, it's, but work with me here. Do not be a baby. We're going we're gonna to turn to Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Go there with me, church. And so this is what it says. It'll pop up right there. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. My job, Pastor Byron's job, Pastor Candice's job, Pastor Mike's job, is to equip His people to do His work. And it carries on saying, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be like immature children, like babies. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try and trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, the becoming. um, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This is the Christian journey, church. Salvation, when we are born again, when we are baby Christians, then it goes to sanctification, becoming like Jesus, and then it's the maturity of service. That's the Christian journey. But some of us are stuck at the baby stage of our faith, the baby stage of our Christianity. But God wants us to grow up and mature into service. Some of us, we arrive on Sunday the same as we did the first time we got saved five years ago. Just receiving, receiving, receiving. What does a baby do? It eats, cries, sleeps, does it repeats, you know? A baby can't do anything for itself. It's always dependent on other people, always reliant, always on the receiving end. And how many of us are like babies sometimes? Come in, Sunday in. Sunday out, receive, receive, receive. And then during the week, you're like, oh, you know, I went to church this week. Yeah, but were you the church this week? Were you the church this week? See, we're called to be rivers to receive and release, not reservoirs who receive and store. See, we're called to release our time, our talent, our treasure, 
Because we, re- we received our time, our talent, and treasure from God. And we meant to release it. But some of us are serving no one. Just being a consumer, not a contributor. We're busy being the Dead Sea instead of being the Red Sea. See, they both receive from the same source, the Jordan River, but one receives and releases, and the other receives and stores. One is healthy and flourishing, and the other is called the Dead Sea for a reason, because the only thing alive in there is bacteria and fungi. How many of us sit in church and we wonder, why is this, why are they flourishing? Like, why is this person, they're like, they're in the same situation as me. They're in the same season of life as me, but they're flourishing. And I'm out here being, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel lost. I don't know where I am. My children are going crazy. I know. I serve with them a kiss. I love them. I love them. They're they're great. Sometimes. But like, we ask those questions. But then have have you looked inside? Have you looked that, am I a river or am I a reservoir? Am I the Red Sea or am I the Dead Sea? Because when you introspect like that, when you ask God to remove the scales from your eyes and take a deep look at yourself, you'll realize that maybe the reason why I'm not healthy and growing, like it says in Ephesians, is because maybe, just maybe, I haven't released what God has given me. Maybe I haven't served. Kingdom has come in me, but kingdom hasn't come through me. God is calling us into the maturity of service. Because in maturity, there is health and love. That last verse in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 16, is it? Yeah. Ephesians 16 says, each part does its own special works, and it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. God is calling us to live a better way. To live a mature way. Don't be a baby. Practical step. Join a life group. You see, a baby needs a village. It takes a village to raise a baby. I know. Kids Church, we are a village. We help you. We got you. It takes a village to raise a baby. Some of us are at that level, at that stage of our faith journey when we are new Christians. Where we're living in that space and we need a community that will help us grow, that will challenge us to grow. To not stay in the same place, but to move forward. To move forward. Question, are you a river 
Or are you a reservoir? Are you a river or are you a reservoir? My last point this morning, point number four, you have a part to play. You have a part to play. A gifted man with a bright future went to a missions field. His salary was very little. Any missionaries who can testify? A large company wanted him to go work with them and offered him five times his salary. Pastor Andre, if you feel led to offer me five times my salary, I won't won't say no. Just joking, just joking. Offered him five times his salary he was making as a missionary. He refused. Then they offered him 10 times the salary. That would have given me a pause. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna can I be open, honest, and transparent? That would be like, 10, 10 times? 10 times. Jesus, they said 10 times. You, you sure I must say no, Jesus? Okay, I, I consulted, it's a no. And the young man refused again. Then they said they would, e- they would offer him even more money. But the young man replied, Oh, the salary is big enough. It is the job that is not. The salary is big enough, but it is the job that is not. See, this young man had a revelation that he had a part to play in God's kingdom. He understood Ephesians 2 verse 10, for, God, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. He knew that God had a plan for him, that it was bigger than what they were offering him because it was a kingdom plan. He knew his part to play. And he wasn't distracted by the earthly things. Was focused on what God had planned for him. Matthew 9:35 says, no, there's a lot of scripture, but it's edifying. It's good Bible. The need for workers. Matthew 9, verse 35, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And He healed every kind of disease and illness. When He saw the crowds, He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And He turned to His disciples. He's turning to you right now where you're sitting. And He's saying, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the worker, of the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask Him to send more workers into His field. God, I am praying 
to you, Lord, who is in charge of the harvest. I'm praying right now in this space that you are stirring up the hearts of workers, Lord God, that you are stirring up workers who will go into your field, God, who will go in and harvest the people that aren't here yet, the seeds that we are sitting, God, that we are going to be contributors and not just consumers. God, I pray it. I declare it that we're not going to leave here the same, but we're going to leave here on a mission to live out the kingdom principle of serving, whether it's just an invitation, God. Thank you, Lord of the harvest. Dr. B.J. Miller once said, it is a great deal easier to do that which God gives us to do, no matter how hard it is, than to, than to face the responsibility of not doing it. It is a great deal easier to do that which God has given us to do, no matter how hard it is, than to face the responsibility of not doing it. The day is coming, church, sooner than most of us actually know and think when our Savior is going to come in glory and we will have to give an account on how we have handled the assignment that He has given us. On how we have used the time that He has given us. On how we have used the talents that He has given us. About how we have used the treasure that He has given us, church. How we've played our part in the body. And I don't know about you, but I know when I give my account, there's only one thing that I'm looking for. There's only one sentence that I'm looking for, and it is well done, my good and faithful servant. Not because I garnered the applause of man, but because I played my part in his kingdom. Because I lived the way God wanted me to live. Because I committed to the principle of serving His people. Because I committed to the principle of serving Him. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how discouraged I am, no matter how little I think I have, but I'm committed to serving God through serving His people because that's the better way to love. Practical step. Remember, the point is you have a part to play. So do moving forward. Again, I can't stress it much. Can't stress it enough. Do moving forward. In it, you'll do a gift assessment. And you'll see these are the gifts that God has given me. And these are the areas that gift applies. This is where I get to play my part. This is where the team needs me. This is where the body needs me. This is where God called me to be. You have a part to play, church. Question, what words will you be hearing when you give your account? What words will you be hearing? Not what words you, you hope you'll be hearing, but what words based off of how you've lived your life so far? What words will you be hearing? 
what words will you be hearing? Church, this morning, I want to give you a better way, an opportunity to choose a better way to live. I want to give you the opportunity to change your direction. Some of us have been going this way, but I want to give you the opportunity to walk towards Jesus, to walk towards His way. He says it. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And you would have heard in point three where I I, I spelled out the Christian journey and it starts with salvation. And some of us in this room, we've done that part. We started that journey. We are a new creation in creation in Christ Jesus. And we are moving in the sanctified part, becoming more like Jesus. And some of us are in the serving part, in the maturity of service. But there's some of us in the room that haven't started the journey. That haven't chosen Jesus to be their Lord, to be their Savior. That haven't chosen Jesus to be the way. So right now, I want to give you that opportunity. Romans 10 verse 10 says, For it is believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Galatians 4 verse 47 says, But when the right time, right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy our freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that we could get adopted into His family as His own children. And because we are His children, God sent us the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave but you are God's own child an heir you are an heir can i can i have everyone's eyes closed for a moment james says as you draw close to him he will draw close to you the holy spirit is knocking on the door of your heart right now and he's saying choose a better way he's saying choose the way choose Jesus so right now if there's anyone in the room that wants to start this journey that wants to go to salvation and grow into into sanctification and then into service if there's anyone in this room that wants to begin that journey with everyone's eyes closed it's just me and Jesus Just pop up your hand on the count of three. One, He loves you so much. God loves you so much that He sent His Son so that you can live a better way. He made a way where there was no way. Two, there was a separation between us and God. Jesus came to bring us to Him, to make a way. Three, if that's you right now, if you're wanting to choose Jesus, nobody else is looking, just pop your hand. Just pop your hand right up. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands at the back. Thank you, Lord. I see those hands on my right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see my hands on my left. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. We're going to pray together as a church because we are a family. And we're going to do the ABC together. 
God, I admit, let's say it together, church. God, I admit that I am a sinner, that I've made some mistakes. And God, but God, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. And I choose you, Lord, to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to lead me all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, all of God's children said, Amen, 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 Amen. We hope you have been blessed and helped by this message. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.thrivechurch.co.za.